The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche. Hurt. Written by Dennis Lee. Is it wrong to be ruled by your desires? I've always thought so. Doesn't stop a lot of people from doing it, of course. I suppose most people are, to varying degrees, slaves to their emotions. Yet there are those special few who go to extreme measures to express themselves. There are no boundaries, no rules, regardless of their claims to the contrary. They swear by personal mantras mask their transient nature with diatribes bordering on religious fervor. But in truth, their values ebb and flow like the tides, serving their present needs and nothing more. Their first lesson is that history is malleable. The others follow soon enough. Foundations are based on whim, to hell with gods, know what is yours and you fight for it tooth and nail, and if some bastard is foolish enough to stand in your way... You strike him down, and you don't stop until he stays down. I don't know how these people manage to survive, given the horrific nature of their choices, but they do. Some even thrive, a precious few, as their environment continues somehow to provide for them. Most, however, laugh in the face of death, dance in the heart of the storm, drunk on the power of their perceived immortality as they tilt head first into windmills. They burn, a blazing pyre of fragile strength, drawing those blind enough to follow into their consuming web. They are beautiful, if only for a moment, their fires extinguished all too quickly, and they pass on, leaving only a husk of themselves. Sometimes they are beloved and shrines are erected in their honor. Those they leave behind may swear eternal vigilance, but inevitably, people move on. It's what they do. A chance for happiness is in what is left, for normalcy, for sanity. Depends on their ability to forget, to distance themselves. Those are the tragic stories, and they serve as warnings to others what demons lie in wait what awaits those who dare to take the reins of their own madness. And yet, I envy these people. They feel something, something so strong and sure and powerful that they serve it without hesitation. Imagine a compulsion so complete that, over faith, over logic, over simple common sense, it drives you to acts of courage and resilience even in the face of catastrophic failure. These people are easy marks for exploitation, and there are many who would take advantage of that. I know of the fight. I have fought all my life with people and ideals and concepts put into motion that evolve into something completely different from their humble beginnings. But I have rarely let myself be a target. It happens, but you can hide enough of your true self to mask the parts that are vulnerable, keep them away from the crosshairs. Let them take the shot. If the target is an illusion, you survive. 
And then they take pause in a moment of confusion. And you? You can catch them unawares, drop that dagger into the base of their skull, or use those precious seconds to slip away. It's an exciting game. I've had an exciting life. But I'm not the woman I once was. Something is different. Once it was the good fight, then it was just the fight. An endless series of battles to delay the inevitable boredom of stubborn breath defying an existential void. I didn't rush into things. I planned them out. I placed value in the safest option, in prepping for contingency scenarios, and I saw the mission done. And through it all, I never let myself feel a thing. Nothing beyond mild amusement or irritation. It was simpler that way. When you calculate the odds of success in anything, there is no variable more chaotic and unnecessary than throwing emotion into the mix. So how the hell did I get here? All my life, I have wanted only one thing. Just one. And I mean, want. It's not a week on a beach or some end of your bonus or some bauble or drug or fame or whatever trivial prize most people might imagine. One thing. And I wanted it. And you know what? It's changed. It's not the same as it was, completely morphing over the span of a few measly months. No, that's not fair. It hasn't changed. I have. It has remained more or less the same sarcastic, pig-headed mess of a man that it started as. I started this by the simple act of wanting him. I wanted him, something he had, and I was prepared to win it, use it, and spit him out when I was done. Not my first time, I must admit. He knows the game, hell, he's done it himself. But... As he told me once, you can't bet on these things. While you're sinking your claws into someone, they're probably digging theirs into you. And now, it's all different. Because I'm feeling something new. Some tiny seed has taken root and it's all gone to hell. Anything I used to hold dear, it all pales in comparison no matter what I thought at the time, no matter how much I thought I yearned for something, it all seems dull and insignificant next to the brilliant and terrible and chaotic thing that he is, if you can believe it. If I can believe it. The bastard's done something to me. And though a part of me is crying out, spurning the very absurdity of it, Another drives me forward into his arms. The hell? She caught him by surprise, and Red Genie struggled to maintain balance as his exuberant assailant tackled him mercilessly, planting a series of kisses on his neck. Mel, oh, for Christ's sakes! Red sighed and, with an exaggerated gesture, removed her arms from around his chest and gently pushed her away. He glared at her over his scarf, his eyes questioning. Well? he asked. Well, what, Cher? 
she answered impishly. Not that I object to your gestures of affection. Oh, no, not me. In fact, I'm sure I'll be taking advantage of them later. He coughed. But please explain yourself. Mel shot him a look of pure infatuation. Now, Mr. Genie, she purred. I don't think I've ever had to explain myself before. Red looked at her helplessly. This isn't you, he said. You've never acted this, well, this. I feel like I'm in a teen beach movie. Red heard muffled snickers from his left, and he exhaled dramatically, bowing his head. You're punishing me, he said, understanding. For last night. You bet your firm ass I am, Mel muttered. No one falls asleep on me, Red. I'm sorry, Red muttered, the words barely escaping his palms, which were pressed firmly to his face. You know how exhausted I've been of late. You fell asleep on me, Red, Mel hissed. Correction, you fell asleep in me. What in the name of... Look, can we talk about this later? The genie, still clutching his face, nodded slightly to his left. I do have a certain menacing reputation to maintain. Mel gave Red's recruits a casual glance. They stood at attention but shook with suppressed laughter, one going so far as to press her lips together, her eyes shut, with such ferocity that her face had flushed a brilliant shade of red. You see what you've done? Red sighed. They're laughing at me now. So what are you going to do about it? Mel smirked. I'm going to be their teacher, he growled, and leapt away, sprinting towards his charges at a dead run. Snickers became yelps of surprise. The recruits scattered as Red tackled one of them, rammed him into the soft turf of Echo's training fields, rolled and landed in a fighting stance. No warm-ups today, kids, Red snarled. Let's get to the pummeling. Do your worst. There was a collective groan as the students warily began to circle the genie, except for bullet time, the hulking brute Red had managed to slam into the dirt. He lay on his back, gasping for breath. Mel stood her ground, arms crossed, and watched in amusement. She now made it a point to watch Red during his daily training exercises. There was little else at Echo she found remotely entertaining. After their short-lived victory at Ultima Thule, things had gone downhill for Echo so rapidly it wasn't a hill so much as a chasm, which meant, among other things, Mel's place tended to be full of silence, brooding, outright depression, and a great deal of heavy drinking. She knew Red felt helpless in the face of all this despair. Bulwark, while mending remarkably given the extent of his injuries, was still under strict orders from Bella to stay off his feet for now. The big man was resisting, of course, but despite being the love of Echo's commander-in-chief, even he wasn't exempt from her stern reprimands. Upon his return from the ruins of Metis, Bull had somehow slipped away from Bella's watchful monitoring and hobbled into the barracks, only to find his powers as chief trainer had been temporarily rescinded with a brief memo from Bella herself. Red Genie was called up to replace him, reluctantly at first, but with growing vigor as Red was hungry for something, for anything, 
useful to do. And so here he was, performing his daily dance. Nell liked to think he was dancing for her. But he wasn't, of course. She watched as he took them on, one by one. The idea of rushing him altogether still eluded them. They had tried it, once, but the genie had been ready for it, dodging their clumsy attempts at teamwork and pitting their strengths against each other. They simply didn't coordinate their efforts, and a simple display of hit-me-if-you-can on Red's part had left them discouraged, too busy bemoaning the fact that they were doing more damage to themselves without landing a single blow on him. Bulwark would have put them through their paces, drilled teamwork, and prepared maneuvers into them. Red preferred a different approach. As he saw it, pain and humiliation were great motivators. In time, they would wise up if they wanted it badly enough. For now, that first lesson had robbed them of their courage, and they were reluctant to make the first move against their teacher. He milked that for all it was worth, of course. For now, Red was playing with them. When one did brace himself to attack, the others would circle about, hoping to spot an opening, waiting for a chance to dart in unexpectedly. This was the genie, though. Trying to take him by surprise was a futile effort. He still wore his scarf, wrapped so tightly around his head that it was hard to imagine how he managed to breathe, let alone perform feats of parkour or combat training. These days, he favored the standard echo-issue leggings, high-tech nano-weave that did a fine job protecting the wearer from high-velocity projectiles and energy damage, yet still allowed for unrestricted movement. His arms and torso he left uncovered. With the changing of the seasons, Atlanta would soon be sweltering in the heat, but Nell knew that wasn't the reason for Red's topless fashion sense. He seemed nervous of late, constantly scanning his surroundings and taking note of whoever was around. It was as if he expected an attack at any moment. It was understandable, she supposed, given the current state of things. With that much skin exposed, he was one with his environment, gifted with an innate radar that fed off all the heightened senses in his epidermis. He saw every attack coming. He let them come, and Mel chuckled as she recognized the grace in his subterfuge. He never let on that they simply had no chance. His feints were accompanied by dramatic grunts of surprise. He didn't telegraph his movements, and he let them in close, but they never hit him, though some of their attacks seemed awfully close. Of course, that's what he wanted them to believe. They thought they were just a lucky strike away from gaining the upper hand. It was just enough encouragement to drive them forward, and the genie played with their false hopes with nerve and skill. And when they finally closed the distance, were even remotely a threat to him, he lashed out, driving their attacks into one another, adding a few explosive elbows and knee strikes of his own, and knocked them down, gasping, to regroup and try again. Mel had seen this dance many times, and as she watched the genie step, pivot, and fly about his would-be assailants, she was drawn back to the same unhappy conclusion each time. Red's entire life was a dance. This dance. No one came close. He would never allow it. Oh, she could study his moves, his patterns, file them away for future reference, but it wouldn't matter. Not to the big picture. The genie recognized his own flaws, perhaps. He realized his vulnerabilities and his solution had been simple. Keep the distance. 
Every time someone seemed to pass a certain boundary, he would recoil. Nothing obvious, of course, but it was always something. He had to maintain the dance. She would step forward, he would lean back. Something would be offered, and he might graciously accept, but that was all. They had spent all this time together, and while much had been shared, she realized that he was still holding back. In retrospect, most of what he had told her, she realized, could have been learned through other channels. He liked to think his history was some remarkably kept secret, but if one was determined enough, most of his secrets could be unearthed without him ever knowing. But even those were superficial. After all they had been through, he was still a mystery to her. This was a problem, a truth she had been avoiding from her own confusion over what she had felt for this man. It was a problem because... Mel exhaled and grimaced and let harsh reality wash over her. She was in love with him. She would do anything for him. He just didn't know the power he held over her now. A simple touch, a knowing glance, that was all it took. It startled her the first time it happened, a sudden jolt of fear that made her question what she was doing. No one had ever gotten to her like this, and it really wasn't something she could afford. She had fought it, of course, but it wasn't a battle she could win. She was failing with each passing day, to the point where she wondered if she even cared anymore. Her intentions, the best laid plans, did they matter anymore? There was a time when the idea of surrendering to another had been laughable. And now? She cared for this man, yes, but it went deeper. He was an extension of her now. Soon they could be as one she was certain of it. But something wasn't right. She might be willing to give him everything, but he... He had never surrendered to her. It was all in the kiss, she realized. You could always tell from the kiss, and he had never surrendered to it. She had never mistaken sex for love. Even as a young girl, she had known the difference. Her first time had been something of a relief. It had been awkward and strange and over far too quickly, but at least it was no longer a mystery. And there was power in the act. When the passion was real, even the most guarded of men could become as transparent as glass. Honeyed words, once dripping with sincere flattery, could turn vile and bestial. The witty and urbane were often exposed as mere schoolboys, their charm fading away with a few hopeless grunts. Alternatively, the meek could rise above themselves, finding a deep well of courage and a leap into the fray with a ferocity that would have astonished them had they not been so lost in the moment. And so it would go, on and on, people going to great lengths to hide their true nature, even from themselves. But no one could hide forever. All it took was that moment of surrender, and she could catch a glimpse of the true man behind the mask. She was still waiting for that moment with Red. There had been plenty of opportunities. She had considered the possibility that perhaps there was truly nothing more to the man than a simple mercenary with extraordinary talents, rather pedestrian if vigorous tendencies in bed, and a relatively quick wit for sarcastic retorts. Each time the thought bubbled up in her mind, 
she immediately squashed the notion with a determined scoff of impatience. He couldn't be that simple. There was something more there had to be. On the surface, he didn't seem that complicated, and she had met more than her share of uncomplicated men. None of them interested her. This one was profoundly different, and she was willing to admit that the enigma of how was surely, slowly, driving her mad. Once again, she pondered the kiss. Each time he seemed eager and passionate, but there was always a moment of hesitation, of apprehension, barely noticeable, but there nevertheless. He had never yielded to her, not entirely. There was always something holding him back, maintaining that carefully constructed wall that refused to let anyone in. It loomed over her, impenetrable, and her desire to peer past it was growing to a fevered pitch. Which made it all the more shocking when, finally, she saw something new. It didn't register at first. Red continued his dance, and had by now dispatched most of his class, leaving them strewn about the field in various states of injury. Had he actually needed to hurt them? Not from a learning standpoint. Was there something festering in him that hurt him so much he needed to transfer that injury to someone else? His remaining student, a lithe, sandy-haired girl with pockmarked skin, backed away from him with small, timid steps. He decelerated into a mocking strut, stepping lightly around her with dramatic hops and feints. While the scarf obscured his features, Mel could still make out his broad smile, pushing his cheekbones tight against the fabric. "'Just you and me now, Delia,' the genie said. "'This won't end well. It never does, does it? You still haven't picked up on even the rudimentary skills to defend yourself without powers.' I think maybe I've been taking it too easy on you. Red threw a clumsy punch near Delia's head, and she screamed as she flinched back. Damn, girl, Red sighed. You could have blocked that easily. Close up your stance. Maintain your footing. You're the gun in this group. You need to be up and mobile and always vigilant, ready to call the shot. Red sagged in defeat as Delia continued to cower. Or, you know the genie said, shaking his head. Just fall down and die. He swooped down, driving his legs around in an explosive sweep that knocked Delia on her back. She fell with a scream, her legs flung forward, landing on an elbow with a terrific crack. She gasped in pain and sobbed as she glared at the genie with what could best be described as a mix of terror and hate. So much for the lesson the genie said, rising to his feet. He turned his back to her, to all of them, and began to stroll away. I'm not seeing it, in any of you. Not a bit of improvement. What's it going to take to see a little fire from this lot? Mel watched as Delia attempted to prop herself up on her good arm and fall back down with a whimper. The kid was scared, in pain, and Mel could understand Red's arrogance in simply walking away. It had been only a few weeks since he had taken up their training, but his frustration with this group was that of a long-suffering father, burdened with the perpetual mishaps of wayward children. Today's exercise hadn't been one of instruction. 
if his nightly tirades were any indication, he was nearing the end. He had all but given up on them, and with the growing certainty of his failure, he was growing irritable. Perhaps he thought them weak, too undisciplined for this line of work, but that wouldn't have stopped him from trying to light the spark, to get them moving. He had taken it too far today, certainly, but it spoke more of his own shortcomings than theirs. That he would punish them for it said much of his current state of mind. The genie felt lost, lost enough to pummel his charges to near unconsciousness, enough to shamble off in defeat, and enough to forget that foes are never more dangerous than when you've beaten them into the ground. Mel watched, frozen and fascinated, as Delia propped herself up again with a snarl. One of the genie's original recruits, she had failed almost every level of combat training Echo offered. Physically frail with an awkward gait, Delia seemed perpetually hunched over with her hair covering most of her face. She refused to make eye contact and barely spoke, and when she did, the sounds she made approximated the hoarse whispers of a lethargic house cat with laryngitis. The only reason she hadn't been sent packing was her metahuman ability, one that Echo still hoped to harness for field work. Mel had never seen her use it, so she was completely taken aback as Delia, the spitter, Schumer, roared in anger and fired a colossal stream of projectile vomit at Red Genie. It slammed into him, between his shoulders, and drove him skidding face-first along the turf for a good ten yards. He came to a full stop, his face dug right into the soft earth, a disgusting gray-brown ooze coating his back. It was an impressively funny sight, and Mel might have laughed, if not for the fact that the genie wasn't moving. He lay there, his right arm bent at a horribly wrong angle, and for a moment Mel wondered if he was even breathing. Delia gasped and stared in horror at what she had done. With an effort she calmed herself with deep breaths and, still lying on her back, turned to look at Mel, her lips quivering. Oh my God, did I just kill him? She whimpered and shrieked as she heard Red stir from his bed of dirt and mangled sod. He lifted his head and steadied himself with his good arm, quietly rising on his knees and bringing himself to his feet. Mel watched as he slowly shifted the muscles in his back and swiveled his head, with loud cracks as bones and joints popped back into place. He stood in place, his head tilting slightly to and fro, as if mentally assessing the damage to himself. And throughout it all, Mel watched in fascination, realizing she was witnessing something new. He wasn't groaning from the pain, which was odd. He wasn't swearing profusely, which was odder still. The fact was, pain wasn't anything new to him, and Mel wondered how much it actually affected him. Mel had watched on countless occasions as Red would take a punch, or a bullet, and dramatically bemoan his fate. But if he watched him carefully, the patterns would emerge. It became apparent to her early in their relationship just how little pain the genie allowed himself to feel. His apparent anger, his whimpering cries, they were all an act. Of course they were. Why let your enemies, even your friends, know the truth? That wasn't really his way now, was it? At the moment, his body nearly shattered by a force repeatedly strong enough to punch holes in reinforced concrete, Mel knew the pain must have been overwhelming. 
and yet he didn't make a sound as his body quickly began to knit itself back together. He should have been screaming. Instead, he just stood there, silent, as his enhanced healing went to work. Mel let out a slow, exhilarated breath as she observed for the first time his true reaction to pain. At the last, he looked down and noticed his right arm, which dangled and twitched nervously from his shoulder. Casually, he grasped it with his left hand, lifted the arm up and away, and snapped the dislocated shoulder back into place. Only then did he turn to face the spitter, and Mel gasped as his hands flashed out, claws tearing through the tips of his gloves. He took a step, then another, and as he marched towards his prey, Mel noticed how dead his eyes were. There was nothing there. None of his wit, none of his charm, just cold fury. As he closed the distance, Delia began scrambling to her feet, just now realizing she was in mortal danger. Mel, she screamed, he's coming to kill me. Mel, Mel. Mel only stared at her, and it read in disbelief. This was a dream, it had to be. The genie would never hurt one of his pupils. Well, yes, he would, but this wasn't instruction or simple frustration at play anymore. This was a stone-cold killer advancing on Delia. There were no taunts, no warnings, just the flash of razor-sharp claws and murderous intent. This was really happening. Mel! Delia screamed again. She scrambled backwards, tripped, and landed hard on her side. Mel began to move, but she already knew she would be too late. Even at a dead run, she wouldn't make it in time to intervene, and the genie wasn't slowing down. In a panic, Delia reached for her sidearm and fumbled with the safety as Red Genie accelerated to a sprint, his hands held far back, ready to drive them forwards and dive into her claws first. Delia shrieked as she fired off three quick rounds. Two went wide. The third caught Red squarely in his chest. He came to a skidding halt and fell to one knee in front of her, eyes wide in astonishment. He gasped for breath, a bloody froth erupting from his chest. His hands fell to his sides, a cry of rage dying in his throat as the bullet was slowly pushed back out by healing tissue. Red shuddered, and as he looked up, Mel found herself slowing down, coming to a halt. His eyes, no longer empty, betrayed his confusion. He looked at her, helpless, then at Delia, and finally his own claws. Startled, he shed them immediately and rose to his feet. Delia, still prone in an awkward position on her side, kept her gun trained on him with shaking hands. Delia? He started, but flinched and took an involuntary step back as the spitter sprang to her feet. You stay the fuck away from me! Delia screamed, backing away, her hands still shaking. Only when she had reached her fellow trainees did she allow herself to look away and flee. They watched her go and rose to follow her. None of them said a word, but they didn't have to. Their shock and awe were evident as they carefully backed away. The genie didn't say anything either. Really, what could he say? Mel strolled up to him and found herself at a loss for words, too. 
"'So?' she said finally. "'I'm guessing there's going to be an opening for a new trainer soon. "'Think I should update my CV?' "'Red didn't answer her and bowed his head in shame. "'Hey, talk to me, dummy.' "'Mel reached out to lift his chin. "'He flinched away, again, refusing to look her in the eye. "'You're going to need to talk about this, you know. "'What happened there?' What happened to you? He paused, looked like he was about to say something, but simply exhaled and shook his head. Hey, it's me, she said, and gently took his hand in hers. You know you can tell me anything. Once word gets out, they'll come for you. This isn't something that's just going to go away. So talk to me. Let me help. You don't have to do this alone. It's... He began, and paused again. It's not something that... It's something that... He sighed as he noticed figures approaching the field. You weren't kidding. They really don't waste time here. Mel followed his gaze and squinted, making out three Echo uniforms closing the distance. She recognized one of them, it was Jensen, ranking asshat officer extraordinaire. He was flanked by two heavily armed guards. They really don't, she agreed. And he really doesn't look happy. He never does, Red muttered. Though I think he's about to arrest my ass. You'd think that would put a smile on his face. Play nice, Mel said. Let's see if we can buy some time with pretty words. Janie, Jensen barked, marching right up to them. You are ordered to stand down. Turn away and place your hands behind your back. He motioned towards one of the guards. Cuff him. Full anti-meta measures. So much for that idea, the genie said, and grimaced as he felt the heavy shackles lock around his wrists and hum to life. Going to read me my rights, Ossifer? Normally, I would. Jensen said. But with war crimes, I have the distinct pleasure of simply arresting you. Too bad. I was sort of hoping you would resist. I know Reeves here has been aching for an excuse to beat your sorry ass into the ground. Red turned and nodded at the large guard who had cuffed him. Hey, Reeves. How are the wife and my kids? Reeves favored Red with a tight grin, then drove an elbow into the small of Red's back. The genie grunted and chuckled. Christ, Red laughed. You think you're still intimidating with that weak-ass shit? That's enough, Jensen barked. Yeah, it is, Mel shouted. What's with the riot act? A training session that gets out of hand is hardly a war crime. This is brutality, and you and I both know that it'll be enough to get Red out of your sorry excuse of a jail, at least for tonight. No. It won't, Jensen said, turning to Mel. He regarded her for a moment, then nodded. Fine, we'll do this by the book. He turned to face Red, a small smile playing on his lips. Red Genie, you are charged with breaking and entering a highly classified and secure echo installation, theft of classified material, 
assault and murder of Echo personnel, as well as suspicion of murder of Echo Op 2 call sign Amethyst and her Op 1 trainees. Do you understand the charges as I have stated them? Red Genie glared at him, shocked. After a moment, he cast his eyes down and nodded. That satisfy you? Jensen asked Mel with a smirk. Mel stared at him, dumbly. Okay, we're done here, Jensen said. Let's take him to holding. Wait, Mel said, and before they could stop her, she rushed to embrace the genie. The guards looked at Jensen, who sighed and nodded, motioning them to stand down. Don't say anything, Mel whispered into Red's ear. Don't you say a word until we get you a lawyer. We'll get through this. We'll be all right. We'll... You didn't do any of that. You didn't. Red stood motionless as she pulled away. She put her hands to his face, bringing his head down to hers. You didn't, she insisted. You couldn't have. He met her desperate look with one of sad assurance. Oh, God. Red. She kissed him, and once again, even now she felt him hesitate and pull back. Even now, damn it. After this got out, he wouldn't have anyone left, and still he was pulling away from her, from the one person who would still have his back. She was persistent, though, and after a moment she felt him kiss her back. That's enough, let's go, Jensen said and Mel felt a sudden emptiness as Red was yanked away from her. I love you, the genie said, and Mel watched as they roughly turned him about and marched him back to the compound. She stood in place as they wove through a growing crowd of curious onlookers. Red genie held his head high and never looked back at her. She continued to watch until they disappeared into the tree line. Sure you do, Mel muttered. You goddamn bastard. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole, at ResonantMoon.com Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out SecretWorldChronicle.com The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And as always, thank you for listening.